everyone, and welcome to this month's Coach Me Expert interview. I'm Dori Suka, founder of Inspiration Management, and with me today is my very special guest, Alex Tiersch, a healthcare attorney who represents the medical spa industry and medical professionals. We are here today to share with you the latest legal guidelines you should be aware of if you are operating a medispa or a day spa. So needless to say, I'm very excited to have Alex on the call with us today. But before I introduce him, I'd like to make one announcement regarding the Coach Me Expert interview series. Actually, we're doing something very special. As many of you know, this used to be a membership that we charged for. And it has gained such popularity and so many people look forward to this monthly expert interviews that I'm doing that we decided to actually lift the fee and start offering it at no charge. It's our way to help the industry as a whole and give back to all of you who helped us become more successful. So it's our way to say thank you. So every month we meet on the last Tuesday of each month where I invite experts in the industry to help you with your business. It's normally at 3 p.m. Eastern, and you can join us two ways, either live like you are on now, or you can access a private member area where you can download the MP3 files and listen at your convenience. That's what we're doing for you. Very special, right? So enjoy. All right, so that's my announcement for the day. I hope you take advantage of it and join us monthly for all the experts that I will be having for next year. So let me go ahead and start by introducing Alex, and we have so many of you on the call with us today. I hope we don't max out our conference line. This is such a popular topic and such a topic that really needed to be addressed, and I have found the best expert in the industry to be with us today. So Alex is a Chicago healthcare attorney who represents medical spas, plastic surgeons, and aesthetic medical professionals. He's also the founder and director of the American Med Spa Association, or you may know it as AM Spa, which was created to provide comprehensive, relevant, and timely legal and business resources for the medical spas and medical aesthetic physicians throughout the United States. Alex specializes in representing medical professionals on the relevant laws and regulations affecting the medical aesthetic industry. He has extensive experience representing industry professionals like you before state medical boards. Alex is also a speaker. He lectures at trade shows to help medical professionals and day spa owners to learn about the medical spa regulations and legalities. He received his BA from the University of Iowa and his JD from the DePaul University College of Law in Chicago. And he's here today to answer your questions and to help you have clarity about all the new legal aspects of our business that we're going through right now. So welcome, Alex. It's great to have you. Well, thank you for the uh, the introduction. I'm, I'm super impressed with myself. You should be. You, you're quite an expert. I am. That's why this is called Coach Me Expert, because I only no. bring the best of the best. So I'm so excited that you're with us today. I really appreciate it, and thank you for um, for all that. And you're certainly one of the one of the best in the field as well. So I couldn't be happier to be here. I'm, I'm more than happy to to help out in any way I can. My pleasure. 
So those of you who are on the call with us live today, feel free to submit any questions as we're going through here because I'm sure you'll have some. You can submit your questions to Dory, that's D-O-R-I, at inspirationmanagement.com. And we're going to try to leave some time at the end to answer your questions. So here's, I tried to simplify this, Alex, because I know this is such a big, big topic and we can literally spend days talking about it. So I kind of took the most common questions that I get asked all the time and help us explore the answers and guide us a little bit through them. So what we like to talk about today is maybe talk a little bit about the structure, legal structure that a Medispa needs to have, maybe talk about licenses that are needed, who can do some treatments and who can't do others, who needs a medical director, maybe discuss a little bit about how to compensate the medical team, and then maybe a little bit about what they should avoid or mistakes to avoid. So those are some of the things that I would like us to explore. So here's Great. what I usually get, Alex. In in the current situations that I see with day spas is often I find out that some people are doing probably treatments that they should not be doing. And then with spas, maybe they're calling themselves a spa, but they don't really have a medical director or they don't have the proper legal structure. And I'm sure you hear all kinds of stories mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. why don't we start with that? Why don't we start with how a spa should structure their business or how a day spa should structure? Maybe you can give us an overview on that. Yeah, sure. Um, I appreciate you. Um, again, I appreciate you having me on here, and I appreciate um, you taking the time because these are obviously pretty complex questions. And I, I need to say from at the beginning that, you know, a lot of this stuff is governed by the particular state that you're located in. And sometimes the laws vary from state to state, sometimes drastically. So it's super important that you, if you are a, a day spa and you want to move into the medical spa realm, that you, that you familiarize yourself with the law. And even better is to get a, is to get a healthcare attorney who's familiar with some aesthetics because it can get, uh, you can get tripped up pretty quickly in this industry. And some of the consequences are a lot more severe than you might get in just the, uh, the day spa market. So I think really the main thing that you need to know when it comes to structure is that what defines a Medispa? And, and really that's, that's a tough question to answer, but kind of broken down in its simplest form, anytime that you start using and treating patients medically, so this t- anytime you start doing medical treatments, you are a medical facility. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It doesn't matter how you act otherwise. The minute you start doing medical treatments, you are a medical spa, and therefore you need to have a certain structure. Now, the question we always get is, okay, well, what is a medical treatment? And that's also a very difficult question to answer, and that also varies from state to state. But kind of the rule of thumb is that if the the treatment is doing anything that impacts or affects the living tissue of the human body, so anything underneath the very outer layer of the, of the skin, you are in many states, if not most states, practicing medicine. And so that typically applies to most, if not all, lasers, uh, certainly any types of injectables. And what we're seeing lately is this also applied to things like dermaplaning and microneedling. Um, the minute you start practicing medicine, you need to be structured properly under your state's law for how they govern 
um, doctors. And often that means a professional corporation or it means that you have to be owned by a doctor. And again, this really varies from state to state, so you'll have to check with your, with your local healthcare attorney. But in um, a state like Illinois, for instance, where I practice, in many states, um, any medical spa has to be owned um, 100% by a physician. Which, which makes it difficult for non-physician owners to get into the industry. But of course, as lawyers, we have all sorts of tricks of, you know, tricks to, to kind of get around that. But that's the first thing you, that anyone who's looking to get into this industry has to remember is that medical spas equal medical treatment, and therefore you're governed the same way as a doctor. That was a lot of information. Thanks. Yes. Now, you said that they should check with a healthcare attorney in their state. Now, I know that you you have an entire division of your company where you mm-hmm. also help people. Do you have different representation in different states or where where would they go to find that healthcare attorney? Yeah. So the first so the first thing we always do so so my company AmSpa, the American Med Spa Association, the the whole reason that we exist is to provide legal these this type of information, these answers to people in every different state. So the first thing I always tell people is you know, what we've done is we've we've got a whole team of lawyers who summarize the laws in every state. So all the stuff that we're going to talk about today, pretty much every last question, we have detailed answers to and links to the statutes and things like that on our on our website. Um, in addition to that, uh, I'm with a, a law firm that has offices uh, in Dallas and in Chicago, and we have we have a nationwide representation. So it's often, unfortunately, it's difficult to find lawyers who know a medical spa or aesthetics. There's really not that many of us out there. But you know, we're definitely here to help, and, and we have we, I've helped people from as far away as North Dakota to New Hampshire to Florida to Texas to Arizona. So we're all over the place, so we're more than happy to help. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say, for example, I have a day spa, and mm-hmm. I want to start maybe some to offer some medical spa treatments. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of day spas that we work with, and I'm sure that you work with as well, they go and they find a medical director. Let's assume it's mm-hmm. a state that allows you to own a medi spa without being a doctor. So sure. what are some of the guidelines that come into place with the entire medical director relationship between a day spa owner maybe and a physician? Sure. So there are a number of states, and Florida where you're from is one of them, where that, that allow non-physicians to own medical spas. And in situations like that, oftentimes you're going to need um, a doctor to to oversee your practice. So then the question becomes, okay, what is the involvement of that doctor? How how relevant does the doctor need to be as far as their experience? What type of time do they need to spend at the facility? Do they need to see new patients and things like that? I'm a typical, and again, I'm painting in broad brush strokes here, so, and this is one of these things that, that, that definitely varies from state to state, but typically speaking, what you're going to want is you're going to want a doctor who has some familiarity with the treatments that you're offering. So one thing that medical boards and nursing boards and cosmetology boards get very nervous about is when doctors simply lease out their license without having any knowledge of of, of the actual treatments that they're over, supposedly overseeing. So, for instance, if you have a family practice doctor or an OBGYN who's never done Botox on someone's forehead, um, can that doctor legitimately 
oversee those types of treatments. So the first thing I always recommend to my clients is to make sure that this doctor, whatever doctor they choose, has some familiarity or gets training in those types of treatments, and that's becoming more and more of a, of a, of a point of emphasis for medical boards. The other major part, uh, thing that, 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 that gets medical spas into trouble deals with supervision and delegation, and that mainly deals with is the the patient, and again, remember that these this is medical treatment, so these are not clients, these are patients for the most part. Is the patient seeing a doctor before they're treated? Um, most states, not all, but most states require either a doctor or a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner, which are you know mid-level providers. Most states require one of those three practitioners to, to physically see a patient before they actually get treated. And this is even for um, things like lasers um, and, and some types of microneedling and things like that. So, And that can become an issue for day spas wanting to transition because they don't want to have a doctor on all, at all times. So we're seeing various degrees of technology, whether it's using a Vizia machine or using Skype or FaceTime, trying to get around this face-to-face -face consult um, requirement that most states require. But nevertheless, it's an issue. Uh, one of the big problems and one of the, the ways that, that I see clients get into trouble is they start offering medical treatments without any involvement of a doctor or a nurse or a nurse practitioner at all. And typically the way that is is someone comes in for a, a, a laser treatment, they're seen by a laser sales rep, they're then treated by an esthetician, and at no time does a doctor or nurse practitioner ever see the patient. And that can be a problem because most states consider that to be the unauthorized practice of medicine. So you've got to have some actual involvement with the doctor. These can't be absentee landlords. They have to be doctors who are engaged and committed to, um, to the actual practice. Does that make sense? Yes. Which states can you, I don't know if there are many of them, are there several states where you cannot own a day spa, I mean a medi spa unless you're a physician? There yes, there's. There's there's lots of them. I'd say the majority of states don't allow you to own, or they have some restrictions. So it really depends. There's there's states like Illinois um, that that in New York that essentially prohibit um, non-physicians from owning. There are states like California that allow certain practitioners to own portions up to 49%. Um, and, there, and there's everything in between. So it, it really depends on what state you're in. Texas is a state where PAs are allowed to own. It kind of depends. It's, it's very much state-specific, but it's something that should be relatively easy to find, either through a resource like, like, like ours or, or by looking at the, at the law. Do you think the state guidelines will be unified to more of a general law to make things a little bit simpler to us as an industry, or do you think it's going to stay the same way state-to-state -state laws? I think it's probably going to stay the same as it is just because it's very difficult to, to get all the different states to agree. One thing, you know, and, and, and that's potentially a problem, and it becomes a problem when you have some of these larger companies that try to do interstate brands, you know, that are, that are opening uh, branches in other states. The problem is, is that this is all dealt with by the various state medical boards, and like anything when it comes to, to nursing or aesthetics or uh, cosmetology, those are all state-based licenses. And so in order to, to obtain a state-based license, you have to be, you know, a resident, you have to apply and go through the, the various testing and licensure process in that particular state. And that is likely to not change. Now, there are some things that we're currently working on 
or that we'd like to, to, to implement where there would be some uniformity across states, but I think, I think we're a ways away from that. But it's something that I think it would probably be very helpful because especially in, in, in areas like the tri-state area up in, up in the Northeast where you've got New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey with three vastly, drastically different laws um, at play, it becomes very difficult for, for you to try to navigate that when, when you're you know, 10 miles away, the laws are totally different. And it also, it also makes it very difficult to, to find out what the laws are, too. So that's the other issue that we deal with. Right. Well, I think that's one problem I see is that it's not very black and white. There's a lot of gray in defining mm-hmm. the laws and what you can do and what you cannot do. And that's, I think, what makes it complicated for day mm-hmm. spa owners and medi spa owners because they don't really know. <laughs> it's not very clear. Well, there's, you know, there's two things that have been happening. Number one is that, is that the technology that exists right now in aesthetics, particularly with lasers and microneedling and dermaplaning, it's, it's very, very easy when you think about, you know, how to actually activate and operate the machine. So anybody can do it. Um, and, the, and the risk of side effects is very low. So you don't see a lot of major, major problems or side effects occurring from this treatment, and it's very easy to do. So it, it, it almost, it's very tempting um, and alluring for, for day spas to to want to buy a laser or buy a cool sculpting machine or buy some type of body contouring machine because anybody can do it and you can you can have such a high price point. The other thing that we see is that the technology moves so much faster than the law that what you're talking about, this gray area, is often that, you know, these laws are drafted, even laws that were drafted back in 2008 or 2010 are outdated right now because they don't deal with some of these new modalities that have come out. And so it's, it's virtually impossible to apply current law to new technology. And the problem with that, though, is that the medical boards, when they enforce the laws, they don't really care about what you know, your argument is with respect to a certain technology, they're going to apply it the way that they see it, even if you don't know how they're going to apply it. Mm-hmm. So it becomes kind of a dangerous game because while it is gray and there's not a lot of black and white, the onus is always on you, the, the, the spa owner, to be on the right side of the law, even though sometimes we don't even know what the law is, which is kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of ironic, which is where I come in, though. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, it is, so and it's, it's not necessarily the, fair. I know. What's up with the microneedling? <clears throat> well, so the trend that we're seeing, so there's there's two states, Illinois and California, and Texas is looking at this, that have determined that microneedling is, in fact, considered a medical treatment. And this was a big deal when, when the, the Board of Cosmetology in California announced it, because California obviously is the biggest state when it comes to aesthetics in the country by far, um, but Texas is, is not far behind. And Illinois, Illinois is also a large state. And those two, Illinois and California, tend to be two of the leaders when it comes to uh, regulating these practices. For whatever reason, the, they have very active enforcement mechanisms. And both states have found that microneedling and dermaplaning um, is considered to be a micro, is to considered to be a medical treatment, which means that it means two things. Number one, that an esthetician is not allowed to perform those treatments. And number two, since it's a medical treatment, you need to have all of the protocols that go along with any other medical treatment, which means a face-to-face consultation with a doctor or a nurse practitioner or a PA, um, as well as proper protocols and documentation and all that kind of stuff. So that took people back uh, quite a bit because 
you know, anyone who's done a microneedling treatment knows um, that it's not it's not a difficult treatment, and, and oftentimes the needle depth is such where it doesn't even really puncture the skin. It's very superficial. Um, unfortunately, what these boards have have held is they don't care about the depth of the needle itself. What they care about is that there's a needle involved. And they believe that estheticians should not be using needles and they should not be using scalpels, which as you know is done for, for dermaplaning. So it's, you know, this is something that is currently being worked out right now. But what I always tell my clients is that you don't want to be that test case. You don't want to be the one that is, is kind of, you know, the, a trailblazer in this industry because, you know, when you're brought before the medical board and you're trying to justify what you're doing based upon what everybody else in the world is doing, that tends to not be a very good and convincing argument for the medical board. So that's, you know, microneedling is, is, is one of these things that is a very timely and, and, and topical technology, and it's something that we're, that we're watching very closely. Now, there, there is a caveat in that most states allow non-licensed professionals to operate medical devices if they're under the supervision of a physician. So there's this kind of strange situation that estheticians are in where the states are saying, you as an esthetician are not allowed to do microneedling, but so long as you act as an unlicensed person, you are. So, and this is a very big deal in, in, in these states where they say literally these, you know, an esthetician has to take off her esthetician name badge and put on a medical assistant name badge before they can do a dermapen or a, 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 a microneedling device, but they take it very seriously. So it's if they come in and they see you as an esthetician representing yourself as an esthetician and doing dermaplaning, that's against the law and you'll get in trouble. When all it takes is for you to, to just to switch your name tag, basically, which is kind of silly. But a medical assistant. Exactly. Exactly. And then you can do it. That's crazy. And then you can do it. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. crazy. Clears mud, right? Yeah. Now, I, I've been hearing you say uh, nurse practitioners and PAs. Now, can yes. RNs qualify for some of these uh, treatments that they can actually So, operate? yeah. So, RNs can do a lot. Um, and in most states, RNs can do all of the treatments in a medical spot. So, they can do laser treatments. They can do injectables. They can do basically everything. The thing to remember with RNs, though, is what RNs cannot do is they cannot do the initial patient consultation. So, and this is for new patients. When a new, brand new patient walks in the door. Now, again, there are some states where this is allowed, and, and we just don't have the time to go through all 50 states. But most states, most states do not allow RNs to do initial consultations. So, you need a doctor a nurse practitioner or a PA to see that patient at least once. Not every time, not every time they come back, but at least that first time. And that's something that an RN is not allowed to do. So how about if we do this? You know, I teach, I'm very big into doing consultations. And normally mm -hmm. what I teach day spas and medi spas is to have a person do the consultation, mm -hmm. the, basically the front end of the consultation. And mm -hmm. then before they leave, because doctor's time is very valuable and so is the mm -hmm. suspected first PAs and all the others. So how about if we have a regular person, or if you want to call them a medical assistant, whatever you want to call them, do the initial consultation, and then towards the end, 
they can bring the doctor in to meet this person and kind of give them an overview of what they just talked about in the consultation and maybe the kind of customized programs that they created for them. Now, are we legal? We yeah, absolutely. That's that's okay. and that's that's one thing that I encourage um, all of my clients to do is that is that you know the doctors and nurse practitioners their their time is valuable and mm-hmm. you need if, you know whether it's a patient consultation specialist or a patient coordinator whomever it is um, doing the initial consultation taking the history explaining the various mm-hmm. treatments but then at some point prior to the treatment the doctor or nurse practitioner comes in and 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 just does a quick overview and it can be you know it doesn't have to be long it doesn't have to be you know in depth or 20 minutes it can be very quick and you know the the, the important point to remember is that you know what you want to avoid and I always tell tell my clients you know imagine that you're either sitting across the table from a, a sleazy lawyer like myself getting deposed in a lawsuit or the medical board and if they ask you now you treated somebody without that person ever seeing the doctor like how is that going to look when it comes to a laser burn or some type of side effect from an injectable that's that's what you have to think about is at some point has a doctor or a nurse practitioner physically seen examined the patient and set the treatment protocol and you know what's funny alex is all these laws basically end up coming forward is because somebody did mess up with somebody mm-hmm. they got ticked off and they went and claimed a lawsuit or something and that's what causes all these laws to change and that's why it's so important as a spa owner or a medi spa owner or physician to hire quality people and make sure that they know what they're doing and go through the proper mm-hmm. training because then you won't really have any of these problems. But don't you agree that most of the problems come up from bad treatments? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, most of these, most of the the more restrictive state laws in, in our country have resulted from lawsuits or adverse outcomes where patients were, were injured by people who shouldn't be doing the work in the first place. Um, so you, you know, and, and the other thing is it's, I, as you mentioned at the beginning, I tend to I tend to scare people a little bit when I talk because they they get nervous when they think about all the the different regulations that they have to they have to um, be subjected to and I and I always end up saying you know take a step back take a deep breath everything that you want to do you can do and you can do it in a way that is compliant and safe and legal and it's not prohibitively expensive. It's not even more expensive than probably you're already thinking of spending. It's just you have to rewire your brain a little bit to think in a different way. But the minute you get there and the minute you set yourself up structurally at the beginning so that you're set up correctly, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And you're 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 compliant, you're protected, you're and, and you can you can operate with with confidence and that's that's where you have to get. I think once you establish your structure and you have all your ducks in a row, so to speak, then you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, and it's not, it's not as difficult as, as as people think. I tend to when I you know consult with people, they get they get nervous and understandably so. But um, it's not as difficult as, as as you think. It's just a matter of, of 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 getting the structure in the first place at the beginning in place, as opposed to waiting until the end. Now, I ha- we have some doctors on uh, on the call with us today, and um, I had one question that came in. Can um, a physician be a medical director for more than one location? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, absolutely. Most most states don't um, have any kind of an issue with that. It's the same thing as if a physician was had uh, more than one location for their own um, their own doctor's practice. It depends. You know, that you have to be a little bit careful when you start expanding too much because there are some rules about supervision and the number of nurse practitioners and PAs you can supervise and the, the distance between you and the location so you've got to be you know there are some there are some specific things you need to you need to be worried about but but that's that's absolutely not a problem and I have many clients who who do that it's uh, again you know you just want to make sure you're not overextended i think when i all my physician clients i tell you know when you're a medical director of a medical spa the the patients that walk in the door at that spa and are treated are your patients. So if you've got 15 different medical spas and 10,000 patients, can you as a medical director, um, unless you have doctors at those locations themselves, do you have the ability to properly and thoroughly and competently supervise treatment of all those patients? So you need to make sure that you have enough, you have the infrastructure in place below you to handle the patient flow because they are your patients, but you can absolutely do that. There's no, there's, there's no law that prevents you from doing that. Right. So some other questions that came in actually before the call, Alex, were about the agreement that people should have between a medispa or a day spa and a medical director. Can you give us just some tips on what should be in that agreement mm -hmm. or where should they go to have an agreement or what's the best way to set it up? Yeah, sure. So the, the 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 first thing I would say is is please make sure that you have a, a qualified healthcare attorney who's familiar with aesthetics uh, help you with that because um, they are different than most contracts and they are different from most even medical director contracts. So again, I mean, come to come to the American Med Spa Association website or. or, or contact me directly and we'll get you hooked up but that's the first thing what, what I what, the fastest way to get into trouble is to download an internet contract and set that up as your medical director contract that's that's a that's an no-no it also you know it depends very much on what state you're in right because if you are allowed to own the medical spa yourself then that makes it a lot easier and you can simply contract with the doctor and say okay the doctor's going to come in X number of days a week or whatever their their schedule is you want to make sure that the doctor has proper insurance or the insurance coverage issue is dealt with, whether you're providing insurance for the doctor or the doctor's providing his or her own insurance. Um, you want to make sure that you understand whether or not the doctor is an independent contractor or if they are and if they can be an employee of yours. Um, and you want to make sure that it's very, very clearly spelled out as to what the compensation structure is going to be. Um, and again, that also depends on, on what state you're in because some states allow you to split medical revenue with a doctor. In some states, that's prohibited strictly. So, um, and again, that's about 50-50 depending on what state you're in. If you cannot split medical revenue with the doctor directly, then the doctor is going to have to pay you some kind of a fee, whether it's a marketing fee, a rental fee, a fee for space, a fee for patient coordination or whatever that is, in order for you to capture the revenue. Whereas, you know, the easiest, uh, the, uh, the easiest situation to work out of is when you can own the medical spa and simply enter into a contract with a doctor and split the fee with him 50-50 or 60-40 or whatever it is. Um, but unfortunately, that's 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 the, the the vast minority, the minority of states allow you to do that. So there, there needs to be a little bit of um, 
of uh, of working with with as far the, as far as where the revenue flow goes in order for you to do that. I always receive a ton of questions, Alex, on how to pay the medical director and how right. to split the fees and. You know, and I heard you talk about revenue sharing, and as you mentioned, in some states you can't really do that. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a, a private coaching call actually right before our call now, and um, uh, Cindy actually she owns two locations in Pennsylvania, and she had uh, a doctor approach her, uh, saying she would like to be able to come in <coughs> one day a week and do injectables mm -hmm. for her patients. And she called me up to find out some information about should she make her a medical director, should she just come in and do the injections and leave, how should they split the revenue, so all these questions that I'm sure you get all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yes, the one question that she asked me, and I really did not know the answer to, so maybe you can help her, is who should collect the money? in a medical director situation? Should the spa collect the money or should the doctor mm -hmm. collect the money and then split it? What's like the best way to do that? So uh, unfortunately that really depends on what state you're in. You, you hear, you've heard me say that many, many times today and that's the, the, the truth. Some states follow what's called the corporate practice of medicine and that is a doctrine that states that only doctors can practice medicine, and, and that's a state like Illinois and Pennsylvania, I believe, where where only doctors are allowed to collect medical revenue. Um, and in states like those, and that's the majority of the states. It's not it's not all of them. There's a there's a, a good healthy minority that that don't follow that rule. But in those states, the revenue must flow to the doctor first, and then it can flow to the the spa after that. So. In those types of situations, what I tell my clients is um, the spa can collect the money, meaning they can have a point-of-sale system where they collect the money, but it must be deposited into the doctor's practice account. Um, after that, it can be dispersed to them through a contract. So if they want to get paid for marketing or lease of space or, or patient coordination or bill collection, whatever it may be, they can get paid after that. But it's under state law, it is supposed to be deposited and controlled at least at some point by the doctor. And, and that's a kind of a tricky concept to, to figure out when you're doing different types of treatments, both medical and non-medical. Um, but it's also not as difficult as you would think. So, you know, it, it, it really depends on what state you're in. But either either state that you're in, there is a right way to do it, and there's a way, which is what your your local attorney should be able to tell you. And it, it's it's relatively straightforward and easy to set up a system where, regardless of where the money is collected, if it's collected in the doctor's practice account or it's collected directly by you, the spa, it ultimately ends up in your pocket. That that that's not difficult to do. Right. Well, what I like about that is if they did it the way you explained it, then the patients or the guests are not going to know that the money is going to another person because that was one of the points I was trying to make to Cindy is that if I came into a day spa to have my injectables, I would not want the nurse practitioner or the doctor or whoever to pull out their square on their phone and charge me on their phone. It just does not look very professional. No, so. totally. And you you want it to be seamless and consistent. Exactly. And oftentimes, um, 
you know, some of my bigger medical spa clients that offer massages and facials and things like that, they run all of their revenue through a point-of-sale system that deposits it into a medical practice account that they have control over under a contract that we prepare. So they have control over that account. And then at the end of the day, they just sweep all the non-medical revenue into their account. And then they, at the end of the month, they invoice back the medical account for everything else. And, and so it's it's actually not that difficult. I mean, it, it, it provides for a seamless um, transition for your for your clientele, so you don't have to worry about you know about confusing them. Exactly, because that would definitely not look too good. So that was great advice. Thank you for sharing that. So when when is there problems with revenue sharing then? Well, so so rev you know revenue sharing is one of those things that 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 never really rears its head by itself, meaning I have yet to have any clients get in trouble by virtue of having a problem only with revenue sharing, right? So it's not like the medical boards or anyone's going to come and kick in your door and say, oh, my goodness, you're revenue sharing or you're fee splitting or you're violating the corporate practice of medicine. That That's not going to happen. But what happens is the number one or there's there's really two areas where spas get in trouble, and, and, and it's usually either from getting reported by a competitor or an ex-employee, right? So it's, and if you get reported to the state because your competitor doesn't like you or because you had a, a bad breakup with an employee and the state comes in and starts investigating you for other things and they find it, that's that's how you end up getting in trouble is that it gets tacked on to some of these other issues. But most, you know, most medical boards aren't overly concerned with, with how revenue is being split provided patient care is being taken care of. What they really want is they want particularly for the more invasive laser treatments and injectables, they want doctors and medical personnel to be in charge of those types of of those types of services. And then the other thing they get a little bit wary of is and this is kind of an area where medical spas and, and, and sales intersect is that, you know, doctors and medical personnel are supposed to make medical decisions based upon the needs of the patient, you know, so, which is kind of counterintuitive in an industry where everything is, is, is voluntary anyway. But nevertheless, they, medical boards don't want the bottom line to be forcing or to be driving medical care. So they don't want doctors doing huge specials and paying massive commissions to their staff and, and, and paying bonuses for referrals and things like that because it's, that, that's, it takes away from the doctor being in charge of patient care and it becomes all about the money, which again is a little bit counterintuitive in this industry because it is a lot about the money and it is all voluntary <laughs> and it is. So it's it's one of these areas where we're kind of we're we're at a bit of an intersection and there's this conflict that really exists only in medical aesthetics because it's all voluntary. So we're kind of seeing you know we're seeing some pushback and we're seeing some some of these medical boards and some of these investigations these investigators be a little confused because they don't they don't understand the they don't understand the technology or the industry at all. So when they come in and try to investigate, they're oftentimes completely ignorant as to what's actually going on, which is problematic for, for, for my clients because in the end, they're going to treat you as a doctor's office. And that's the thing again you have to remember is you will be treated as a doctor's office. So even if you are in an uber competitive market where you're 
where you've got a great sales team and marketing staff and, and, and a great digital marketing campaign, you're doing all these things, you're still going to be treated as a doctor's office. And so that's what you have to ultimately answer for, not not what your marketing staff is telling you. So it's 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 an interesting conflict that we're dealing with right now. And talking about marketing, and especially today with social media and things like that, let me tell you some things I tell people to do, and I just want to make sure I'm giving them the right advice. <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about video testimonials to do. Mm-hmm. We talk about written testimonials or when they come mm-hmm. to events and we're taking videos of them and publishing things on social media. And I know when you're trying to treat the facility as a medical facility, you have the entire segment of HIPAA laws that you have to mm-hmm. obey, make sure that you're not crossing. So can they do all these things I just mentioned as far as different marketing strategies as long as yeah. the client signs off on a release saying, yes, I know I'm being videotaped, yes, I know my information is going to be all over or my yeah, absolutely. over the internet. So what are some of the advice you can give me and our listeners today on not crossing that line? So basically everything, all of the techniques that you use in the traditional spa market and traditional retail or salon market, you can use in medical spas. There's nothing that you can't really do with, the, with one kind of major exception that I'll get to in a second. But you're absolutely right. You just need to make sure that you have proper disclosures and proper consent forms. That's really all you need to do. Um, once you do that, though, you are able to, to do a lot of the same marketing techniques that you use in any other um, uh, industry. Um, there are some exceptions. Um, one is, and kind of the big one, is um, paying for referrals. So there are things called anti-kickback statutes. And what those essentially say, and every state has one, and then there are also federal anti-kickback laws. What they essentially say is that is that medical facilities are not allowed to pay for referrals. So a lot of times you'll see um, people give gift cards, like a like uh, like a fifty dollar gift card, in ex- if you bring in a friend as a referral. Technically, under the law, that's a that's a, a potential violation of an anti-kickback law. Um, and now there are other ways to do it through like like your VIP program. I think is a great way to do it. You know, adding you know providing point values instead of actual dollar values to things is a great way to get around that. Um, but that's that's the one area that you need to be that you need to be cognizant of. The other area is that many states have um, prohibitions against fee splitting, which is uh, which is essentially saying you can't pay um, your staff any part of a medical fee for it to incentivize them to bring in patients. Now this again, this is not every state, but so for instance, a lot of my clients will have their 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 nurses or their practice coordinators get paid say 10% or 20% of the net profit of the of the clients that they treat. Um, in many states, that's considered fee splitting because what they're essentially doing is is the nurse or the practice coordinator is taking a percentage of the medical revenue, which is a violation of the law. However, again, just like everything else, you can you can get to the exact same result simply by calling it a discretionary bonus. 
So instead of writing into their contract, you're going to get 10% of all net revenue. Just write into their contract, you're going to get paid you know, a salary, and you'll be getting quarterly discretionary bonuses. And then just give them a bonus to get them to where they want to be. So there's nothing that you... And, and again, this is why I say it's it's kind of a, a rewiring of your brain. There's there there's nothing that 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 you can that you want to do that you can't do. It's just you have to do it a little bit differently so that you're in compliance with the healthcare statutes. Because the minute you you bring a laser into your facility, you have entered into a whole other realm of healthcare law, which is very very complicated. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So I want to go take them back a little bit to the loyalty program just to make mm-hmm. sure that they get it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Alex, I'm really against paying people for referrals because I think mm-hmm. if somebody trusts you, they like you, they come to see you, you don't really need to pay them to send their friends. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. me personally, I wouldn't want to recommend a friend if I know I'm going to get paid because then my friends are going to think I'm benefiting from referring them. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I personally right. don't like that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned, what we teach is the loyalty program where they gain points and then Mm -hmm. they accumulate certain amount of points and then they redeem them towards uh, gifts that they have. And that way you're avoiding breaking the law. And if you are paying people for referrals now, you really should stop and you should call me and let me help you set up a good loyalty program that will uh, avoid having that anti-violation of the uh, anti-kickback bonus or payment. But I do want to go back to the compensation for a minute for the medical team or even the medical director. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I like the way you you phrased that. You said it's all about verbiage, isn't it, really, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Instead of calling it you're going to get 10% commission, you said they're going to get a bonus of some sort, whether it's monthly right. or quarterly. So mm-hmm. it's all about – so they can still – create a performance-based compensation model, and you can mm-hmm. still have different levels of bonuses based mm-hmm. on their performance. You just don't want to necessarily call it commission or right. whatever That's exactly term right. you want to use. That's exactly right. And and so the issue becomes, really what this becomes is, n- number one, it's, it, it is paying commissions in many states, again, not all states, so big caveat, but in many states is in and of itself a violation of the Medical Practice Act of that particular state. So the minute you pay um, a nurse or an esthetician um, 10% of medical revenue, and again, this only applies to medical revenue, so facials and things like that, this does not apply. The minute you do that, you're, 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 you're violating the law. But one of the bigger issues is that I often see is that most, a lot of medical spas will, with their medical director, they'll have a contract, and that contract will say you'll get 10 or 20% of the revenue. That, in a, in a state where fee splitting is prohibited, that contract on its face is unenforceable. And if the other, if the doctor has an attorney who knows what they're doing, or if you're a doctor and you enter into this contract with somebody else, and that 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 the spa has an attorney who knows what they're doing, they can invalidate that entire contract. And that means any non-competition agreement is invalidated, bonus structures and all that stuff is invalidated. It's really not even worth the paper it's written on. So the better way to do it is your contract says exactly as you said, you're getting paid a certain amount of money, and then we're going to bonus you, provide you incentive-based bonuses that we will structure and discuss with you so that you know exactly what you can get, but we're not going to call it a commission, not because we don't want to pay you a commission, but because we just can't legally. It's not allowed. Um, And as long as you have that conversation at the outset, 
and you you make sure you go back and review the numbers every every month or every quarter and make sure that the person is actually getting compensated the way that they need to be, then you should be fine. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you see as common mistakes maybe that people make. What are some of the warnings or things that they should be aware of? Well, I mean, you know, pretty much everything that we've that we've talked about, I think, you know, the biggest mistake that I see is that um, you know, from from people who want to get into the industry is they overestimate how easy it's going to be or they underestimate, I guess, how difficult it's going to be, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, this is a very competitive industry. Now, there's a, there's a lot of money to be made. Certainly, this industry is booming. And when you look at the, the population um, as it ages and the technology and the, the millennial population as they get older, um, everybody is flocking to these medical spots. So so there's there's plenty of money to be made. Um, the problem is it's you you really need to to take it as a a competitive um, retail sales center. This is not like your traditional doctor's office. So the you know the most people who are successful come from the spa side, whereas a lot of doctors get, are unsuccessful because they treat it like a doctor's office. It's not like a doctor's office. But at the same time, you have to recognize that it, it in fact is treated legally as a doctor's office. So there's this there's this conflict that goes between how you market it and how you actually treat it legally. But the biggest mistakes I see are people who are underfunded. They don't have enough. They don't. They don't calculate enough at the beginning how much money they're going to need to open a medical spa. Um, the equipment is expensive. There's a lot of overhead. You need a, a high patient volume. Um, marketing is a big issue. So they underestimate the amount of money they need and they run out of money. Or they don't structure themselves properly at the beginning and they end up getting in trouble down the road because uh, because of healthcare regulations or because of lawsuits or whatever because they don't bring the proper team on place in the beginning they don't they don't get a lawyer they don't they don't learn what the law is at the beginning they don't they don't they don't understand the rules of the game in which they're playing at the beginning and so they end up spending two three four five times as much to have me come in and fix it when there's a problem as opposed to learning the rules at the beginning Mm-hmm. So what would be a good advice you can give someone that's either already open, that's operating a Medi Spa, or somebody that wants that has maybe a day spa that wants to convert, or somebody mm-hmm. totally new? What are some of the legal documents that they really must have? Well, so a lot of it depends upon you know whether you have partners or not. So if you if if you're going to go into a partnership, you need to make sure you have some type of a of a of a partnership structure or an, a partnership document, whether it's a corporate operating agreement or a, a, a corporate agreement, some some type of document that governs the relationship between you and your partners. Um, I've seen many many times. Um, people who go into business together, they don't have a proper operating agreement. And what ultimately happens is everything is great in the beginning, and everything is great when you start to make money, but at some point, things sour for whatever reason, and you want to split up, and if you don't have, you know, in advance a structure and procedure for divvying up the company, that becomes a problem. So, you know, that's obviously number one. Number two, you you, you want to make sure that you're properly structured under your state's law. Um, you know, AMSPA, uh, the, the American Med Spa Association, 
you know, and this is not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but we're, we're, I've looked because when I started this company, I was, I was searching for information. And the whole reason I started the company was because there was no information. You need to find a resource like us where you can find information, whether it's, whether it's legal information, whether it's, you know, people like you, Dory, who are affiliated with us, whether it's consultants, whether it's consent forms. I mean, all the information that you need is out there. The problem with this industry is that it's, it's, the, the medical spa industry is a confluence of, you know, six to ten different practice areas. And all of them are coming together in one spot. And it makes it very, very difficult to untangle the different, the different regulations and the different needs, which is why people like me and people like you come into play because we've done that work for you already. So, you know, my, the, the website that we have, for instance, like we have literally gone from state to state and summarized the ten, you know, all the stuff that we've talked about today, we've put on there um, in a state-by-state fashion so that people can understand it. And then the other thing is someone like like you, Dory, and 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 you know because we've worked together so many times in the past, um, it, you, people who are coming into this industry need somebody on their team with experience. Um, it's a very difficult industry to break into if you're just doing it on your own. Um, you need training. You need business training. You need to learn your, you know, your reports and your goals. You need to learn, you know, all of your per patient revenue, all your costs, all the business planning aspects that, that you teach and that we teach at our boot camps and all that stuff. You need to learn um, because it's a very competitive, very tough industry, but also a very rewarding one. Well, I want to encourage everybody to be a member of AM Spa because, you know what, I'm a member, and it's such a great resource for you guys. And I highly encourage you to go to the website and check it out because you really need to be, you need to know. You need to know what's going on, and you need to keep your business safe. And if you just have the blinders on, and you're going on your daily routine, and then all of a sudden something happens, and then you're in trouble, you don't want that situation. So it's better to be prepared and plan for any situation in advance, and you're going to be a lot safer that way. So tell everybody a little bit about your membership, Alex, and that way we can send them to the website, and so that way they can have that nice resource that they need and keep their business safe. Yeah, sure. So, so um, the American, it's at AmericanMedSpa.org is, is where we're located. And for the uh, low, low price of 275 annually, which is actually a huge, bar- uh, a, a, a very valuable um, and uh, a huge bargain for for anyone looking to, to actually. It's a great investment. Um, it's a great investment. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah. We have actually on our homepage um, uh, like a map of the country where you can click on your particular state. And how we we've broken it down is. When I first started the company, we had lawyers kind of in every state, and what we did is we hired them to actually summarize the aesthetic, the major aesthetic laws in every state. So we've got most states covered. Um, since then, I have actually merged with a, with this national law firm, and we are in the process of overhauling and updating all of the states. Um, so right now we've got maybe 10 to, to 12 questions. We're going to have uh, about 20 updated questions that are answered to all the things that we're talking about. Plus, in addition to that, um, we're going to have a, a, a host of other uh, other questions as well. We also do a bunch of other things like med spa boot camps and 
um, training seminars, we have consent forms, and we have an insurance program and a job board and all kinds of good stuff up there. But um, really the main thing that we do is provide this legal guidance. Um, and, and we also, the, the, the law firm I'm affiliated with actually gives a discount um, on its legal fees too. So um, that's um, that's something to, to, that's a benefit as well. So. But, but really, the, the whole reason that, that, that we're in existence is because we truly want um, everybody uh, in this industry to be informed and to know what they can and cannot do. And unfortunately, unlike many of the other industries that are out there, it's just, it's so, as you know, it's so difficult to find the answers. Um, it's, it's, it's so difficult to, to find even an attorney who knows the answers. We've, we've really tried to take all the guesswork out and to, and to kind of synthesize all this information into one place where they can find it. Well, that's why I'm so happy that you did that and that you're filling, fulfilling that need that everybody really is in need of because they're lost. They don't know where to go. And again, people yep. like me can only advise so much because we're not attorneys. So anybody that has questions, they really need to go to someone like you and your firm to gain the proper answers. So, And um, yep. Alex was mentioning his boot camp. Uh, I actually speak at his boot camp. Do a few sessions there, and they're doing actually yep. many of them. So if you want to mm -hmm. learn more about that, you can learn about it there. And also make sure you check out the membership and uh, mention Inspiration Management to them when you join. We always like to yeah. know that the referral is coming from us. And uh, I want to thank you so much. We are right at the hour. This just flew by, Alex. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I appreciate you having me. Really, it's it's Crazy. it's it's interesting. I I, yeah. I trust me. I talk about this stuff all the time, and it never gets old. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. I just want to remind everybody: our next Coach Me Expert interview is going to be with Michael Effler. He's the managing director for International Design Concept. So we're going to shift gears and talk about something a little bit more fun. Not, nothing against you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I get it all the time. We're going to be talking about decor and design and how to uplift your location a little bit, give it a nice facelift, and get the place looking very nice. So Michael is an expert definitely in that design world, and he's going to be sharing with you some great tips that you can do at a shoestring budget. So that's going to be next month. And remember, please share the Coach Me Expert with your colleagues and friends. Let them know that it's complimentary. Go to inspirationmanagement.com and register. We did record this, so we will be sending out a, a podcast email tomorrow because I know you're going to want to listen to it again and take some more notes. I took a ton of notes, Alex. Thank you so much again <laughs> for being with us and helping our community. Thank you. No, absolutely, and, and, and I'm, I'm always here. So if anyone wants to reach out to me directly, you can find me on my website, or I'm sure they can reach out to you. Yes, and do you want to give an email and phone number or give the website? Sure, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy to. And, again, you know, if you just go to AmericanMedSpa.org, um, you can find me there. But my uh, my email is alex at AmericanMedSpa.org, so that's A-L-E-X at AmericanMedSpa.org. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much. God bless everybody. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye now. Thanks, Tori. Bye, Alex. Thanks, Tori. Bye, Alex. <laughs>